The following program is for adult audiences only. Stephen Lancaster's Ghost Story is proudly sponsored by the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk Podcast. What you are about to hear is a true case file from paranormal investigator Stephen Lancaster. of about three years, I investigated and researched the Webb Memorial Library in Moorhead City, North Carolina a dozen times. The historic building was one of those locations where nothing remained consistent while investigating the paranormal. In other words, one night I might discover phantom voices, while another I may witness objects move. Although every night dedicated to researching the paranormal phenomena inside the library was productive, a night in 2011 would deliver a rather intriguing photograph of what could very well be the ghost of the Webb Library. Construction on the library began in 1929 in Moorhead City, North Carolina. The building did not start out as a library, however. The original purpose of the building was to act as a commercial facility with doctor's offices on the first floor and a training facility for a local garment factory on the second floor. Eventually, the garment factory training facility relocated, leaving the second floor vacant. In 1936, the owner of the building, Earl Webb Jr., died of a mysterious illness. To honor their son, the Webb family dedicated the building to Earl Webb Jr., calling it a memorial library and civic center. The library opened its doors to the citizens of Moorhead City for community use. In 2003, with the best interest of the community in mind, the town council of Moorhead City agreed to work with the Webb family in maintaining a library and meeting place within the building. The library celebrated 75 years of public service in 2009. The collection of books in the library exceeded 11,000 in 2010. The Webb Library has also become the center of attention within the paranormal community. It was that interest that eventually brought me to spending nights in the library in search of their ghost. A night in 2011 added a great deal of credibility to the belief that the building was haunted. That particular night, I was escorting a paranormal team from a neighboring town on an investigation. While the guest investigators were talking and gearing up in the computer lab, I relocated to the far side of the library. I started taking pictures with my camera. I was standing at the end of the long hallway on the first floor when I snapped a rather interesting photo. The camera I was using at the time had a large screen on the back that allowed me to view in real time what I was taking pictures of. Each individual picture would freeze on the screen for just a split second before revealing the next, and so on and so forth. 
One picture in particular caused me to open my eyes wide in disbelief. I shoot continuously, most of the time logging two dozen pictures in just a few seconds. While the camera was taking shot after shot, I caught a quick glimpse of what appeared to be a person walking down the hall from me. I continued taking pictures in sequence despite what I had seen. Then curiosity got the better of me and I stopped to review all of the recently captured images. I was barely breathing with excitement and anticipation overwhelmed me as I scrolled through each picture. I was sincerely hoping my eyes had not been playing tricks on me and I did, in all reality, witness a figure appear on that camera's screen. In the picture, there was a semi-transparent, heavy-set, humanistic figure walking down the hall. Upon closer observation, whatever was in that photo appeared to be wearing a dress. I was able to immediately rule out the guest investigators I was chaperoning. Firstly, I knew where they were in the building, and it wasn't anywhere near this area. Secondly, no person in the building even remotely resembled the mysterious figure I had captured walking down the hall. Furthermore, there wasn't a sound to be heard while this documentation was taking place. The photo taken immediately after the shot with the anomaly showed an empty hall. So it could not have been a person of flesh and blood. They could not have simply disappeared in a fraction of a second. It is also interesting to note the change in the visual atmosphere. In the picture with the questionable figure, the lighting is clearly different throughout the entire depth of the shot. The image without the figure displays a more vivid look of the hallway. Both pictures were taken the exact same way and without any use of a flash. The hallway became more lit with the absence of the questionable mass. However, it was the inscrutable figure in the photograph that roused my curiosity as to his or her identity. I couldn't help but recall the history of the location. Construction on the building began in 1929. The construction of the building was done by Mr. Earl Webb Sr., and it did not start out as a library. The original purpose of the building was to be doctor's offices. Knowing that the original occupants of the building were doctors and nurses, I couldn't help but envision a nurse or a doctor from the late 1920s walking down that hall. Of course, that is just my opinion, but it did make sense considering the relevancy of the location and history. After taking, reviewing, and discovering the anomaly in the picture, I looked back down the hall with my own two eyes and nothing was there. Yet that one picture gave me a thousand reasons to believe otherwise. Upon a closer look of the challenging image, one can notice transparent elements to the figure roaming the hall. It was like he or she was a part of the darkness bleeding out from within. The hue of the mass matched the shadows and blackness of the hallway. Once he or she was gone, the darkness cleared and more of the hallway was visible. Following the discovery of this photo, I wasted no time scheduling an immediate follow-up investigation. Now that I had a figure to go by, I could narrow down the search. For that particular investigation, I brought my head investigator with me as well as the core group of colleagues I generally worked with a decade ago. But this isn't so much about that night's entire investigation. This is about the phantom footprints that were documented during the time and never mentioned 
until now. At one point in the night, my head investigator and I were heading to the basement entrance. I'd split my entire team across a massive library to ensure there would be no audible or visual contamination from one another. A point I can't stress enough is the fact that nobody had been to the basement as of yet. In fact, the library director told us she couldn't even remember the last time somebody had even been down there. It's just a couple of empty and damp rooms that house the hot water heater and mechanical elements for the central air. I should point out that with the location of the web being so close to the coast, the basement oftentimes retains water. They do have a little pump down there to keep it from flooding entirely, but there hasn't been a single time I have researched that location where water wasn't present. There is only one way in or out of that basement, and that is through a door located on the first level. The door itself creaks so loud that nobody could enter the basement without allowing everybody in the building to know. The squeaky door just echoes through the place. I say all of this for good reason. When we arrived to the entrance of the basement, we noticed that the door was blocked by a heavy rug. In other words, the rug had to be completely moved back to even get the door open. We moved the rug and opened the door. Almost immediately, I heard the most frightening voice come from below and deep within the basement. It stopped myself and my colleague in our tracks. So we hesitated to proceed as we stood at the top of the stairs and just listened. The mumbling of phrases coming from the darkness of the basement persisted. Nothing was said coherent enough to understand or decipher, but something down there was definitely speaking. This all happened within just a few moments. That's when I noticed the wet footprints at the bottom of the stairs and immediately brought them to the attention of my head investigator. I was dumbfounded at first at the sight of the footprints. I knew there was no way in or out and this added to the severity and importance of discovering such proof that something had come from the basement. The stairs themselves had the same wet footprints ascending them until disappearing about halfway up. I'm assuming the prints on the wood had a quicker evaporation time or whoever was coming up the stairs stopped midway. Regardless, there was absolutely no backtracking. These prints went in one and only one direction. You can certainly see where the basement had taken on a little bit of water again, but the topic at hand here certainly stands out without question. I placed my flashlight on the incomprehensive footprints as my head investigator and I filmed and discussed the anomalous activity. The images here truly speak for themselves. Whatever was down there intended to come up the stairs. The footprints were pointed towards exiting the basement. We proceeded down the stairs to gather a closer look. We had very little time to waste as the wet footprints would eventually evaporate without a trace. Luckily for us, this occurrence was fully documented. I am sure you can imagine the amazement, shock, and utter bewilderment running through our minds knowing that nobody had been in the basement in days, let alone just a few moments before we arrived to investigate it. As we grew closer to them, it was easy now to see three footprints, although the third was just a stutter step from the existing right foot. The size of these prints reminded me of a large man or woman wearing heavy set boots. 
They also reminded me of that phantom image I had captured in the long hallway of the library. These prints were to scale and could have easily matched up with the size of that deep and dark entity in the hall. I wondered immediately if it was the same being. Facts were definitely pointing in that direction. It was without a doubt very unsettling to know that something had been down there without our knowledge and was making its way to the library. In my heart, I believe the footprints we found and the figure in the picture to be the same anomaly. I think the ghost of the web library just walks the course of the building day in and day out and you never know where you are going to capture something involving him or her. Depending on who you talk to, the ghostly claims deriving from the web library differ greatly from person to person. Over the years, many have reported hearing voices, finding objects moved, and even witnessing full-body apparitions. The now-retired director of the library has discovered books on the floor with pages ripped out and balled up. She has even found books stacked perfectly on tables when opening the library in the mornings that were not there the night before. Some even say children haunt the building. Paranormal investigators have reported phantom voices and objects moving as well. One group in particular witnessed a bicycle fly across the room as if it had been thrown directly at them in the basement of the building. It was originally hanging on a wall. Stationary video cameras were later discovered to have been moved during investigations for some researchers. It was also said at some point that the ghost of a newborn baby haunted the basement of the library. According to the story, a baby had died in the building when it was being used as doctor's offices. Apparently, for an unknown reason, the infant was buried in the crawl space underneath. However, this more ridiculous and horrific claim is to be taken with a grain of salt considering the lack of reliable sources. Interestingly enough, the possibility of a nurse or a medical professional haunting the location has never been mentioned or documented until my research began there. Considering the photography and the phantom footprints exiting the basement, one is forced to believe that whatever is haunting the library was in fact an adult. All of the signs are definitely there. These contributions to the research have yet to be released to the public and I happily add them to the web library case file. For those of you who have read the details of the original cases and investigations of mine, now you can better visualize what I described in my books. But even now, 10 years after I first began investigating the ghostly claims of the historic library, only one question has truly been answered. Is the place haunted? The answer to that question is yes. It's been many years since my research colleagues and I have investigated that location mostly due to time and obligations to other cases. Now, unfortunately, the library is under different direction. It has been well over a decade since my colleagues and I have researched the web library. Unfortunately, the wonderful and original director of the building is no longer working there. The library is now operated completely differently and they have now opened their doors as a tourist attraction for wannabe ghost hunters and paranormal investigators who mostly spend their time watching the ghostly TV shows and acting just like they see on the ghostly TV shows. There hasn't been a credible investigation done at the web library in over 10 years. Everything that has come out since has been hearsay, blown out of proportion, 
and in some cases, sadly, fate. The web library will continue writing chapters about its haunting in its own book within the walls of this historic building. I've seen some shit. And I'm going to tell you all about it. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Join Stephen on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative.